You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. We are in a series called Summer Playlist. Uh, I, I know that, um, I know, I think the last time I was up here, I talked about how I do not like road trips, but something that helped pass the time is creating a playlist where you can just zone out, listen to the music, and just forget about how many miles you have to go. And I know I've been doing that a lot going to camp. It took us about, I think, six and a half hours total. Uh, Kelby and I just got back from Virginia. I think that was about a nine and a half to ten hour drive. And I, I hate it. I hate just sitting in one place the whole time. But I love music. Music is really fun. And when we were talking about this series, I was like, that, it's kind of weird. Like, playing a secular music in worship. I remember back home when in my student ministry, they played Sweet Home Alabama uh, just to kind of have some fun with students, and a lot of parents got really upset. So it got ingrained in me, you can't do that here. So uh, it, it, it was kind of weird, but the thing is, music is really weird to how it allows you to remember more. I know if I listen to a song once or twice, I can remember it. It's easy, but the thing about me is I don't remember things very well. And if my parents were here, they would be saying amen, right? I'm pretty sure my wife would agree that I don't really remember things that well. We'll, we'll have a conversation, and she'll be like, yeah, we talked about this. And it could be a year ago, it could be a month ago, it could be a day ago, it could be an hour ago, and I could have completely forgotten about it. Like, there are times where we're having conversations, and she says, you remember this, right? And I'm like, I feel like you're making this up right now, because I don't remember it. She's like, we talked about this yesterday, and I was like, yeah, not ringing any bells. And uh, the thing, though, is I was really struggling to memorize uh, some stuff for Hebrew when I first started. It was probably one of the hardest classes that I took in my master's uh, a couple years ago. And I remember it was going to be hard because I talked to my student pastor who uh, was studying it, and I asked him, I was like, it kind of looks cool. I'm like, do you like learning Hebrew? And he was like, no, it's the absolute worst. And I was like, why? He said, it, imagine someone dipped a chicken's feet in ink and then let it run all over the paper, and that's Hebrew. And I was like, that doesn't sound fun. And he was absolutely right. It, it's very difficult. And I was having a hard time with the alphabet. And finally, our teacher was like, yeah, if you're struggling with learning just the alphabet, just put the, put the alphabet to Yankee Doodle, and it'll be no problem. And I did that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this in five minutes now. And it, it, it took me no time at all just putting it to a tune that I knew. And it was so much easier, although relatively it was easier. It was still really difficult. But the whole point of this uh, series is to get you to associate a sermon with a song. So hopefully when you hear uh, this song in the future, you'll be able to remember the message that went along with it, as well as the previous sermons as well. And so today is our song is Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake, which is something I never thought I would talk about in church. But here we are. So this is a really fun song that gets played everywhere, whether you're at a wedding, whether you're at a banquet, whether you're at the bank, it's going to get played because it, it's just a fun, upbeat, tempo song. It's supposed to get you moving. Emily had a great job of doing that up on stage. I saw some people nodding along, tapping their feet. It's great. It gets you in the mood to dance, not only because it's that upbeat tempo, but it talks about dancing in it uh, a lot as well. 
And so before you ask, no, this song is not about God. Uh, There's not really anything about God in this song. So as I was reading through these lyrics, trying to figure out how am I going to spin this into talking about the Bible, uh, I remembered this one passage that came to mind. So uh, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 14 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. Someone will bring you one if you raise your hand. But would you stand with me as we read 2 Samuel chapter 6, 14 through 22? And it should be up behind me. David was dancing with all of his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod. He and the whole house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of ram's horn. As the As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter, Michal, looked down from the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the tent David had set up for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, He blessed the people in the name of Yahweh of hosts. Then he distributed a loaf of bread, a date date cake, and a raisin cake to each one of them in the entire Israelite community, both men and women. Then all the people left, each to his own home. When David returned home to bless his household, Saul's daughter, Michal, came out and met him. How the king of Israel honored himself today, she said. He exposed himself today in the sight of the slave girls of his subjects like a vulgar person would expose himself. David replied to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me over your father in his home and his whole family to appoint me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord and I will humble myself even more and humiliate myself. So there's a lot to unpack there. You guys may be seated. So Uh, The song, actually, David Crowder uh, wrote this song called uh, I Will Become Even More Undignified Than This is based on this passage, and that song kind of came to my mind as I was uh, listening to Can't Stop the Feeling. But uh, what's going on prior to this is, uh, I I believe Pastor Chris talked about this a couple months ago, they were moving the Ark of the Covenant because the Philistines stole uh, stole it, and they were moving it from uh, one city to the city of David. But they were transporting it in a way that God did not want them to. God gave very specific directions when it came to moving the ark and what you were supposed to do with it. And what they did was they just threw it on the back of a wagon, uh, just as the Philistines did. They didn't have any really regards towards the ark. And as it was going along, it kind of jostled, and someone put out their hand and uh, touched the ark, and that was something that you were not supposed to do because this was the place where God was dwelling. And that person was struck down and was killed. And so now David is saying, I don't want this in my household. Like, if this just kills people, that like anyone that touches it, I don't want this in my household. Let's put it in this person's household. And so David said, yeah, this is the Ark of the Covenant. It's going to be in your household because I don't want to take it to my city and my people die. And so the guy's like, okay, you're the king. I mean, it's what you say. And so a couple months go by, and uh, someone comes to report to David and says, hey, you remember that guy that we left the Ark of the Covenant with? And he's like, yeah. And uh, this is all kind of just my translation. I'm just summarizing for you guys. They don't actually talk like that. But the guy says, yeah, you remember that guy? Yeah, he's prospering. And he's not just like prospering a little. He's prospering a lot. Like 
Everything is just growing exponentially for him. And so David's like, oh, really? Okay, let's bring that ark back to my city then. And so now they're transporting it to his city finally because now David has a respect. He has a fear for God, and he knows that, hey, when God tells me I need to do something, I need to do it properly. And so now he's bringing the ark into the city, and he is uh, dancing, and he is uh, praising God in the best way that he can, which he says that he is dancing. And so uh, he's seeing all what God can do in, his, in all of his glory. And so uh, it doesn't just say that he was dancing, though. Uh, that, that was kind of a big deal. But one of the bigger deals that we see was that he was wearing a linen ephod. And I don't have a picture with me, but imagine a very tight-fitting robe. Uh, it, it was something that could be freely jumped about. A lot of the times the, the priestly robes um, that David wore or the kingly robes, the royal robes, wouldn't be good for this. Uh, it, it wasn't something that you can move around in a lot, just kind of have a leisure walk. But he put this linen ephod on so that he could jump about, so that he could dance, so that he could do what he wanted to do uh, to praise God. And it, this was something that the king shouldn't have done at that time according to Michal. She saw the king was supposed to be this royal figure that stuck out in a crowd mainly just by what he wore. The kingly robes were uh, something that would have been made of fine linen. It was something that if you looked out in the crowd, you could tell, hey, that is the king of Israel because of just what they were wearing. But so he took all this off so that he could freely dance. And I know that some people say Michael's. I say McCall because I just bragged about Hebrew and I looked it up because I wasn't sure how to say it. But it, it's McCall and it's weird to say, but that's her name. But she believed that David was humiliating himself because he was taking off all of these kingly adornments that he was supposed to be wearing and it was humiliating himself. Uh, in front of everyone else, dancing like a commoner, dancing like one of these street people would as the ark came into the city. And she believed that he exposed himself, and a lot of people think that he might have been dancing like he was naked. That's not the case here. Uh, she just thought that um, by him removing all of that uh, kingly, all of his kingly robes, that that was enough to expose and undignify himself in that. But what we see is David doesn't care at all. David is glad to humiliate himself. David is glad to humble himself if it means bringing glory to God, if it means being able to praise God. And so that's kind of going to be the whole point of this sermon today. It's going to be about pleasing God versus pleasing man. And I think that's one of the first bullet points we have in our outlines if you got one in the back. <clears throat> but I'm sure everyone has struggled with this at some point. I'm sure everyone has had the struggle of, in this moment, am I going to please God or am I going to please man? And it might not have been very obvious, but a lot of the times when we go through life, we have to make the decision, am I going to do what God has told me to do or am I going to do what I want to or what I think other people want me to do? And sometimes it can be very embarrassing uh, or what we think other people would think would be embarrassing, what God tells us to do, and it makes that decision much more harder for all of us. And uh, I wish I had a story uh, about something uh, that was on that level of God telling me to do something that seemed embarrassing and I did it anyways, but instead I'm just going to tell you an embarrassing story that happened to me 
from camp uh, this two weeks ago. And I'm going to be talking about a lot from camp because I think camp is one of uh, the greatest experience a student can do besides a mission trip. I know students grow so much, but uh, one of the first embarrassing moments that I had on this trip happened less than an hour from us leaving this church. And so it all started when in the morning uh, I had to go and pick up uh, a 15-passenger van at Enterprise. And I got Thailand to pick me up because I didn't want to leave my van or my car there over the whole weekend. And uh, I sent him the address, but for some reason it took him to the complete opposite side of our neighborhood. And so I was a little late getting to Enterprise, and I was starting to get stressed out. And then I get to Enterprise, and there's a line, and I'm waiting for about 45 minutes to get the van. And I have parents texting me saying, hey, I have the paperwork. Where are you? We're ready to go. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm waiting for the van. I'll get there as soon as I can. And eventually all the parents just left because they had work, and I couldn't get the van any faster. They were doing everything they needed to, which I really don't know what it was. But I was starting to really stress out at this point because when, when someone gives me a timeline, I really want to stick to it. And we were very behind schedule at this point. And so I was, I was extremely stressed at this point. I wanted everything to go well. I knew that we didn't have much time to do everything we needed to once we actually got to Daytona. And so eventually I get here, all the students load up, I go and I use the bathroom. We go onto the road and instantly everyone falls asleep. Everyone is just asleep. And about an hour in, I'm like, I have to use the bathroom right now. Apparently, when I get stressed out, I really need to go to the bathroom. And I'm talking about number one, just so we are, we're all clear here, okay? But I was, like, I was like, I need to pull over really quickly. Right now, I need to go. And I looked back, and I saw all the students were asleep. And I was like, okay, maybe they'll think I just pulled over. We've been gone for like two or three hours, and someone will just get out with me, and no one will say anything. So I see the next rest stop. I pull over. Everyone's starting to wake up, and I'm like, all right, anyone that needs to use the bathroom, let's go ahead, and everyone's just kind of looking around, and no one does anything. I'm like, all right, no one wants to go? All right, just me then, and I just took the lonely walk by myself, and I knew everyone was going to make fun of me, and uh, they did. I, I heard some text messages went out, and I was like, man, that's, that's kind of embarrassing. I don't like that. I didn't like it, but we had a great time at camp. I think that we took 11 students with us, and uh, I'm pretty sure they all loved it. It was awesome seeing all the students there. There was a total of 6,500 people in the Ocean Center where we were all worshiping, and it was so cool just seeing the students just freely worship, just seeing everyone worship God in whatever way that they could. And I think the sermons paired really well with it. It allowed students to kind of um, I, I, one, one really big thing about students is they have a lot of doubts about uh, who God is and a lot of doubts about the Bible, and they're scared to voice that because they feel like they should either know that already or they're scared that someone's going to judge them for asking that. And so the format of camp was we were going to do an apologetic Bible study at the, in the morning, which is kind of focusing on how to defend your faith and looking into those things that we often doubt. Um, I think some of the things we went over was uh, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Um, and how was the Bible, is the Bible that we have today the same as it was written all the way back then? Because, you know, with the medieval time periods and uh, people taking advantage 
of others that couldn't read the Bible? How do we know something hasn't changed from when it was first written to now? And then also, why do bad things happen in this world? And so those were kind of the three questions that we went over. But at night, we went over the glory of God. That, that's all we talked about was the glory of God. And I think those two things help students worship God in a greater way than they, than they were able to before. And uh, I'll tell you, I have never felt more old in my life than when we got back from a, a service and we sat down in our small groups and I normally ask, like, well, what did y'all think about the sermon? And I remember, I think it was Gray. It, it might have been someone else, but he was like, man, Ben Stewart ate. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, if, if someone ate it, that's normally a bad thing, but the way he said it, it was a very positive thing. So I learned a lot of slang over the week, and uh, apparently that's a good thing. So Ben Stewart ate. He did really good. A lot of the students loved him, but one of my favorite moments was when Louis Giglio came up and talked, and Louis Giglio loves astronomy, and I'm not near at that level of uh, liking astronomy, but I did take a class in college. I really enjoyed it. My brother was always into astronomy, and uh, so I know a little bit about it, but uh, one of my favorite visualizations was uh, where Louis Giglio talked about the James Webb Telescope, which... Uh, a lot of people know about the Hubble telescope, which is a telescope that is orbiting Earth, which, if you didn't know, if you look at a telescope from here on Earth uh, right now, there's a lot of light pollution, which allows, it blocks out a lot of the stars and galaxies. And so the Hubble telescope was put up in orbit to get away from most of that light, but still Earth reflects a lot of light. And so uh, James Webb came up with this telescope of, hey, Let's send this telescope really far out into space to where there's no light pollution at all. And it's been going on for a while. And uh, the day of camp or the day before Louis Giglio talked, it sent back its first couple images, which I believe we have some images up here. And so this is one of the first images that uh, the James Webb uh, telescope brought back to us. And the thing is, some people might look at this and be like, yeah, that's a lot of stars. That's cool. And uh, something that is kind of like uh, mind-blowing to me is when we look up in the, in the sky at night, we see a bunch of stars, which are suns that are in our galaxy. With this, these are all galaxies. These aren't just stars. These are galaxies which have hundreds, if not thousands of stars in uh, their solar system, in their galaxies. And so the thing about this, though, if you're not inspired by that, um, he, he pointed out, uh, and he had a grain of sand because we were at the beach, but he said, if you put a grain of sand on the tip of your finger and hold it out at arm's length, that is the amount of stars that we capture just in the sky. And, and that, that was mind-blowing to me. Because if you imagine if you're holding up a piece of sand, you have everything else around you. And if you, if you are on a completely flat field with nothing blocking you, you're still only seeing half of the sky. And that's just a pinprick into the entire universe. And it, it kind of just blew my mind of how much is out there and how much God loves us and how much all of creation is just pointing towards God's glory. Just seeing how God is in control of it all. And Psalms 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. 
Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There is no words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their message has gone out to all the earth and the wor- their words to the ends of the world. And so honestly, when, when I look at this, and I hope when you look at this, how would you not care about pleasing the creator of the world? That he created all of this, something that when I look at, I feel so small and in, insignificant, but yet God still chose me to love me. God still chose you to love you out of everything in this entire universe. It, it, it just, it blows my mind thinking about how big the universe actually is and how much bigger it keeps getting as we get the technology to keep looking out further. And so we are called to do his work here, but I feel like the majority of Christians don't often do that. A lot of the times we make excuses for why we don't want to share the gospel or do whatever God has said to do. And so I have two of the biggest excuses that I think we often do. Uh, The first excuse is, I don't know enough. I I don't know enough about the Bible to feel like I can have a good conversation with someone that doesn't really know much about the Bible. And that's an easy one, guys. Just read your Bible more. Uh, I know that it it, it sounds simple, but I'm sure I've had plenty of conversations with people that they love something and they will debate about it till the day that they die. I know I, I love Lord of the Rings, I've watched the movies multiple times. I've read the books. I can talk about Lord of the Rings. I'm not an expert. I'm not a Tolkien expert, but I can tell you uh, some things that maybe people that have just watched the movies that they uh, would only know. And there, there are a lot of different subjects that I really like that I could talk to you about. I'm sure everyone in here has an opinion on the coronavirus vaccine uh, and is willing to share that, whether a person asks you or not, because there was so much that was talked about it and you have your opinion on it. But so when it comes to the Bible, we should be able to have our opinions on, uh, on what we believe, what God is saying, and we should be able to know uh, how to interpret the Bible, what it's saying, so that we can tell other people. And so when someone says, I don't know enough, it, it just means you're not spending enough time with God. And I'm not saying that you have to know all the answers, because there are plenty of times where a student will ask me a question, and I'd be like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard that question before. The first time a student came up and asked me, hey, do you think Adam had a belly button? I was like, I don't know. Never in my life would I ever have thought of that question, and I don't think it matters at this point. But people just come up with crazy questions. It's fine just to say, I don't know. I'll get back with you on that. And so it's easy just to overcome that excuse by just getting in the word more, just, just talking with people and just taking your time of just being okay with not knowing. I know a lot of people don't like that, but it's okay. The second one is, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared of what the other person might think of me. I'm scared that the other person might think that uh, I'm I'm, uh, a judgy person. I'm scared that they might think that I don't want to be their friends if they don't agree with me. I'm scared they might think I'm this bigot. I'm scared they might think I'm dumb for believing in religion. Whatever it is, we always have an excuse for why we don't want to do what God has called us to do because we're focused more on pleasing man than pleasing God. If we're focused on pleasing God, all those excuses wouldn't matter. 
Because we love God so much, we don't care what everyone else thinks. We, we just want to give God all the glory and do what he says, but instead we focus on what other people around us are thinking. And we say, well, if that person's going to think this way, then I, I really don't want to do that. A great verse to go along with this is Galatians 1.10. It says, for, I, for am I now trying to win the favor of people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. And so in this, going back to our main pack, passage, we need to be more like David, to where he, he doesn't care who sees him dancing. He doesn't care who sees him worshiping. He doesn't care who thinks that this is unkingly or uh, uh, a royal king should not be doing this in this manner. He just wants to bring glory to God in whatever way he can, regardless of what circumstances it might put him in. And if we're truly invested, uh, we won't be worrying about what other people think. We, we aren't going to be worried about what others uh, think. And we often do this whenever it comes to our favorite team that we root for. For instance, if I said, go Bama, I heard a boo. Yeah, that person didn't care that they that they were booing my favorite team, right? And I'm pretty sure most people, whenever you say go dogs, there are people that cheer, there are people that boo, but you don't care. Like, it's your favorite team. That's who you root for. It, it doesn't really matter because you're like, that's my favorite team. And if you like something else, I don't care. I'm going to boo that. And it's all in good fun. I get it. It's all good. But what if we thought about that as it, when we're Christians? What if we thought about that when... Um, uh, as we're going out and sharing the gospel. It, it's awesome when you can cheer for your team. Uh, at camp, um, I know the seniors uh, talked about how um, there's this thing called squad wars that we do at the very beginning of each day. It, uh, we get split up into four different teams, and we compete in different games. And the seniors told me that ever since they've been going, we have never won. Each year, we get put on a different team, and every single year, They've been either towards the bottom, towards the worst of the teams. Uh, but this year, we finally won. We, we pulled it off on the last day. We won by 25 points. And something that they gave us was every person on the winning team got this champion uh, towel. And they said, what you should do is when you're on the beach, you should go up to someone wearing a different color because we were neon yellow. There was uh, green, blue, and red. And you should go up and just cheer and flaunted in their face that, hey, we won, you didn't. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, as we left the stadium or the, the Ocean Center, uh, we were getting into our van and we were cheering and uh, we got in the van and we uh, were driving past some people because it gets really crowded because everyone's leaving at once. And we were cranking up, we are the champions and uh, a bunch of other songs. And as we were going by other teams, we were just leaning out the window and waving our champion towels at them. And uh, it was great. And I was starting to take this back road because it gets so crowded on the main road. And one of our leaders goes over and says, hey, could we actually get on the main road so we can kind of like throw our towels in people's faces? And being the spiritual leader, I said, absolutely we can. So I turned around and we went on the main road and we were just screaming and yelling as we went by because it was awesome. It was our team. We won. It was awesome. And we weren't trying to be mean. We were just super excited that we finally won. 
And so what if we did that when we're uh, living out our Christian life? What if we're so excited for living for God that we don't think about like, hey, will this person judge me or will this person be upset if I share the gospel with them? Will this person be mad if, if I start talking about religion? We, we don't celebrate the fact that death has been defeated and that every person that gives their life to Christ is someone that's going to spend eternity with God in his glory. One of my favorite moments from camp was when uh, a couple of students called me after small groups. And uh, we had one of our girls uh, get saved on the trip. It was, I believe it was uh, Amelia's friend that she brought in. She got saved. It was awesome. But uh, I, I sent her to go talk with our girl leaders because I wanted to make sure that she knew what she was doing, that she knew uh, what uh, she was giving her life to and uh, why she was doing it. And the girl leaders were just talking with her to make sure she didn't have any other questions. And during that time, uh, Amelia and Grace called me and they said, hey, uh, could we go out and get some stuff for our friend that just gave her life to Christ? And normally uh, I have a strict, hey, we're staying in uh, after small groups because it's normally like 11, 1130. And I don't really want students to be wandering Daytona Beach by themselves or even as a group that late at night, because it's kind of sketchy. Uh, but I was like, you know what, for this, absolutely. We're, we're going to go out, we're going to go to a CVS that we found that was 24 hours, and uh, I didn't even know that those existed, but I took uh, those girls to CVS, and uh, they, they were just running around, they were getting a card, they were getting a stuffed animal, they were getting candy. They didn't care what they were getting, they just wanted to get something to celebrate their friend going from death to life. And it, it was just so funny seeing this because I think uh, if, if I had a picture, I would have uh, shown you guys, but I sent a Snapchat, Snapchat picture to my wife. They were just in their pajamas running around CVS getting all kinds of stuff. And they just didn't care. It was, it was awesome. And then they went up to the counter and uh, they, they went up to the self-checkout and it said card only but they didn't read that and they scanned everything and they were like, hey, we only have cash. And the lady was kind of upset because then she had to re-ring everything back up. But in their minds, they didn't care. They, they just wanted to celebrate their friend in any way that they could. And it was just awesome seeing that. And I think if we all thought that way, those excuses would seem much more smaller. So I want to leave you guys with this. Who are you seeking to please today? Who are you seeking to please? Just think about it on a daily basis. Are you seeking to please your parents? Maybe your kids? Maybe a coworker, a boss, friends? Whatever it is, we, we need to be focusing on pleasing God rather than all those people. Because there's only one person that is worth pleasing. There's only one person that's worth worshiping in any way that we can. Something that we can just say, hey, regardless of what people think, I'm going to give my all to the God that has saved me. That out of everything in this world, he chose to have a relationship for me. He sent his son to die on a cross for my sins, even though he did no wrong. And even after that, even when I continually mess up, even when I continually sin, he still chooses to forgive me. So why would I not want to please 
a God like that. So no more excuses. Let's make the commitment to please God rather than pleasing man. It, it, it will be difficult at first. There may be times where you might feel embarrassed. But we just have to give our all to God. And when, we, when those fears and doubts come in our lives, just remember all that God has done for us, of how he has saved us, of how he has forgiven us of our sins, and how powerful he is. And then we can just worship without any care of, of who's watching. Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful for who you are, and I just, I just pray that we just won't be worried about what other people uh, say about us, what other people do uh, in their lives, and I just pray that we will just be focused on who you are, and that's all that we're, we will be caring about, that we won't be worried about what others might say about us, or uh, that we're, we won't be worried that other people might call us names, but that we will just be completely and focused solely on you, that we will just be giving you all the glory and all the praise and when we meet those people that have given their lives to Christ, that we will just be celebrating, that we will just do everything we can to make them feel welcomed a part of your kingdom, God. That we will just be unashamed of who you are and who we are serving. In your name we pray. Amen.